Right, good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us here this morning here at Lighthouse Discipleship Center. My name is Dave Everett, and we're going to be continuing our teaching this morning on Thanksgiving Activated Spade. This will be part two, and I think we're going to have one more part, so it'll be three, a three-part series here. Uh, just so you know, all of, our archive, all of our teachers are archived on our website at lighthousediscipleship.org, as well as our YouTube channel, Lighthouse Discipleship Center. Without further ado, let's go ahead and jump in. Where we got a little bit of a late start, we keep having technical difficulties, so we apologize for the, the continuous delays each week. Uh, but here we are, and we're going to jump right into our message again this morning. We've been talking about, and I introduced last week, about how Thanksgiving activates faith. And I'm going to review just a few of our scriptures as we go into our new some new territory this morning. First of all, we, we start from Psalm 67, verses 5 to 6, which says, Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Then the earth shall yield her increase, and God, our own God, shall bless us. I'm going to spend more time with this, hopefully next week, as we talk about how when we praise Him, when we have thanksgiving and praise, and our focus is on God, the earth responds to that. The earth yields increase. And there's a blessing that comes with that. We'll spend more time with that next week. But we also look at Colossians. <coughs> Excuse me. From the King James Version where Paul says, As ye therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. One of the ways that we are established in faith one of the primary ways, let me rephrase that, that we are establishing faith is that we are bounding during with Thanksgiving. Another way of looking at that and kind of reversing it a little bit is that if we are not abounding with Thanksgiving, we are not establishing faith. Thanksgiving activates faith. And one of the, you know, just like when someone will check someone's pulse or vital signs, one way to check and gauge your vital signs, spiritually speaking, whether you are established in faith, is that you are bounding in Thanksgiving. Excuse me. If you are not abounding in Thanksgiving, you are not establishing the faith. It's not any faith, it's the faith. There's a definite article there. Okay? So if you're going to be established in the faith, and that is what walking... The reason I like the King James is because there's a colon here at the end of verse 6. Walking in and in him, what does that look like? It looks like being rooted and built up in him and established in the faith. And one of the criteria for you to be established in the faith is that you are abounding in thanksgiving. That's how you were taught. We were taught by the word of God to walk in him by abounding in thanksgiving. If you're not abounding in thanksgiving, in other words, you're not walking in him. Okay? And I'm not saying that to get on your case. I'm saying that all scripture is possible for, for, for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. So the man of God can be thoroughly equipped for every good work. The word of God can reprove us. Are we being reproved? That's a good thing. That's a healthy thing. It's a merciful thing. It's a loving thing. And I just know there's times in my life where I am not abounding in thanksgiving in that moment, in that day, in that hour, 
I'm not established in the faith. If I was established in the faith, I would be a member of Thanksgiving. And still, most of us, from time to time, we all have days where we gripe and complain. Excuse <coughs> me, when we're griping and complaining in that moment, we are not abounding in Thanksgiving and we are not established in the faith. Another way of looking at this, and we looked at this verse many times, but again, for the King James, it says, from Philemon 1 6, that the communication of your faith may become effectual as you acknowledge every good thing that's in you in Christ Jesus. There is no way that you can acknowledge everything that, every good thing that's in you with that's in confess Jesus, and not be thankful about it. If you're acknowledging every good thing that's in you, you will be abounding in thanksgiving, which means you will be establishing the faith, and the faith that you are establishing will become effectual. Thanksgiving activates faith. Are you following me? Okay? So, yes, the criteria is that we are abounding in thanksgiving, determines whether we are established in the faith, but if we are acknowledging every good thing that's in him, our faith will become effectual. And if we're acknowledging everything that's in him, we know that, excuse me, we're abounding, we're abounding in thanksgiving, and we're establishing faith. We're walking in him. We're rooted. We're grounded. We're established. We're built up in him. And establishing faith as he's been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. And the communication of that faith that we're establishing becomes effectual because we're acknowledging every good thing that's in us in Christ Jesus. And we are acknowledging that with the spirit of thanksgiving. Okay? We also look from Thessalonians 5.18 and everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. God's will, many of us are asking, what's God's will for my life? Well, one aspect of that will is that you give thanks in everything. I didn't say, it doesn't say that for everything give thanks. There's a lot of things I don't give thanks for. But even in those things, in it, I give thanks because this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. God's will for you is that you give thanks and everything. We also look from Deuteronomy chapter 28 verses 47 to 57. Again, I'm not going to read this whole context. But it says, because you did not serve the Lord your God with joy and gladness of heart, all these evil things, all these negative things came in your life. And so as you read verses 48 through 57, you'll see all of the things that came on Israel you have to read it for yourself. I'm not going to read all that here. But the whole reason why they went through all this is because they did not serve the Lord your God with joy and gladness of heart. Your heart matters. And we're going to be talking a little bit about heart matters this morning and how it relates to Thanksgiving and activating your faith. Okay? And we'll spend a little bit more time with this next week. But rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say rejoice. Paul says in Philippians, and that your gentleness be known to all, the Lord at hand, be 
anxious for nothing, but everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. You can pray and you can supplicate, but you do it with thanksgiving, letting your request be made known to God. You can let your request be known to God, but you need to do it with the spirit of thanksgiving. Rejoicing. Not griping, complaining, not whining, coming boldly to the throne of grace in your time of need. Yes, making your request known to God, but with the spirit of thanksgiving. Because God can't work with faith. If you don't have thanksgiving, if you're not abounding in thanksgiving, you are not established in faith. And the communication of your faith, that you're making requests known to God, it's not acknowledging every good thing that's in you. Because if you're graphic complaining, and you're so focused on the problem, and you're, you're acknowledging the problem more than you're acknowledging God, you're magnifying the problem more than you're magnifying God. That's not faith. And one of the ways that we should know that is Thanksgiving is not present. Okay. And so, uh, this is this is very, can be very helpful. Jesus, as we're talking about prayer, Jesus taught us to pray a Sabbath prayer of Thanksgiving. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. A bunch of other stuff that's all good, but he concluded for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. It's a, it's a sandwich prayer. And it's, it's, it's sandwiched with praise on both ends. And in the middle, there's a bunch of prayer requests that we make, make known to God. And prayer and supplication. But it's sandwiched in between the two bread loaves of praise, our, power, our Father in heaven, how be your name, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So be it. Well, with that in mind, let's jump into this week's message. In John 16, 33, Jesus said, these things I have spoken to you, <coughs> that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Jesus many times encouraged his disciples, his followers, and that includes you and me, is that in the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. Be of good cheer. That's Thanksgiving. I have overcome the world. Okay? Our peace doesn't come because of the stuff going on in the world. And there's a lot of stuff, there's a lot of junk going on in the world. The good, the bad, and the ugly. We said, in the world you all have tribulation. We're going to promise this. If you desire, according to the, Timothy, and according to Paul to Timothy, if you desire to live godly, you will suffer persecution. We're promised that. Okay? That might not give you all uh, uh, Holy Ghost goosebumps. Okay, and some of us might call that. But in the world you'll have tribulation. But be of good cheer. Be thankful. Rejoice. Be of good cheer. Because I have overcome the world. John says it this way, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And you and I were born of God. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. We're talking about how Thanksgiving activates faith. And if we are of good cheer, thanksgiving, because he's overcome the world, then we can also overcome the world with victory, our faith. Because our faith is established. Our faith is effectual. 
because we're acknowledging every good thing. We're thankful. We're abounding in thanksgiving. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith, that we are born of God and we overcome the world. Amen? That's awesome. That's awesome. And Jesus says it this way in Hebrews, for he himself has said, actually, I got a little head myself, but this is still good. Jesus said, I will never leave you or forsake you. God says he will never leave us or forsake us. So we can be of good cheer. We can be abounding in thanksgiving because he has overcome the world. We don't, and another way we can look at this, folks, is that we don't, we don't need a new touch from God. Okay? We don't need God to touch us again. See, God's not the one that ever left. God's not the one who ever forsook us. If we are dismayed, it's because we left God. God never left us. Okay? We're the one that moved. God didn't move. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God didn't change. We change. Okay? And so, if we're... In order for us to live in His fullness every day and experience this faith, this activated faith to work every day in our lives, we need to do something to activate that faith and be in His presence. And because if we don't, if we are not active with these things that I'm going to talk about, we can drift away. He will never leave us or forsake us. But we can't say that, that we will never leave or forsake Him. Unless we are careful about guarding this thing called the heart. Above all things. Okay. And I'm going to go to now Romans chapter 1 verse 21. Excuse me. And this verse is going to be the main verse for our session today. And Paul says in Romans 21, I'm going to read from the King James. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. Neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Okay? Now, I've got to give a little bit of context to this. In context here, now this is the first chapter in the book of Romans. Paul just getting started here in the book of Romans. But in the previous three verses, verses 18, 19, and 20, Paul had already established the thought that everybody has this intuitive knowledge of a revelation of God. God has revealed himself to everybody. Now, not, not, some people might not agree with that, but you might not agree with that, but I'm going to go with God. Okay? If you don't agree with God on that, that's on you. But everyone, God has revealed himself to everyone. But Paul, in verses 21, 22, and 23 is going on to say, not everyone has received this revelation. Not everyone has accepted this revelation of God that God has revealed to himself to. Okay? And so, 
What I'm going to do this morning is give you four keys that lead us into operating in the fullness of God. Okay? Four keys. Now, we can also look at these four keys as four warnings. Because if we don't operate in these four areas, we can actually go in the other direction where we drift away. Because that's what's going on in this context. The context of this verse is that these people are going to a point, are, are escalating to a point where their imaginations are vain and their hearts are darkened. So we can, if we don't do these four things, our hearts can go to this, this direction. But if we do do the, the, these four things, our hearts, our imaginations are going to be good. Our faith is going to be activated. Because our hearts are not darkened, but it's enlightened. Does that make sense? So, these four things are key to determining which way you're going to go. And the verse we used last week in Deuteronomy, I think it's chapter 30, verse 19, that we're to choose life. God's offered before us life and death. He's revealed himself to us. What are we going to do with that revelation? Okay? The first one is right here in this verse. And they glorified him not as God. They glorified him not as God. Now, if you take this word glorified, and you study it out in the Greek, and even other uses where this word is used in the New Testament, it can also be translated as magnified. Did you know you can make God bigger? Literally, you can't. God's the same size as he always will be. He's more enormous than you can even picture him and, and put words to describe him. He's pretty much indescribable. But in your mind, in your perception, in your view of things, you can make God bigger. Or you can make God smaller. Last week I had my magnifying glass up here. I forgot it today, and that's okay. But... This word glorify can also be translated as magnified. And we can make God bigger or we can make God smaller. But if you have a magnifying glass, when you use it on something, you magnify that thing that you are focused on and everything else becomes out of focus. In one sense, you can't make the words on the page any bigger. But you can, through the right lens, magnify it in your perception so you can read it and see it. So we can either make God bigger or we can make the problems that we are facing bigger. We're going to either magnify one of them. We're going to glorify one of them. We're going to give one of them more attention. We're going to let one of them be dominant in our thinking, in our thoughts. We're either going to believe God, or we're going to believe that we are like grasshoppers in our own eyes. We're either going to either believe God and glorify and magnify Him and exalt Him, or we're going to magnify the things going on in this world, the problems, how someone has wronged us, how the government has wronged and evil and all this stuff. 
That doesn't mean that the world is not evil and wrong. But God is bigger. Light is bigger than, stronger than darkness. <coughs> Love is stronger than hate. Okay? And so we are the salt of the earth. We are the light of the world. And we are believers and we believe. That's what we do. And no matter what we're going through, no matter what's going on in our world, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. No matter what we're going through. No matter what we see on the media, social media, Facebook, and the world. Jesus is still on the throne. He's still the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we can either glorify God... Or we can glorify what's going on in the world. And you might say, well, I'm not glorifying the thing in the world. Then why are you talking more about that than you are about God? Yet, yes, you're downplaying it in everything you're saying on Facebook, for example. Everything you're doing is, is putting down the world, and rightfully so, in one sense. But that's all you're doing. The only, the only attention, the only media, the only broadcasting that you're doing is how evil the world is and where are you preaching Jesus? Where are you preaching salvation? Where are you preaching eternal life? Where are you re preaching redemption? Where are you preaching the cross? You're exalting that filth of this world and you're not exalting God. You're not glorifying God. You're not magnifying Him. Yes, you're you're calling evil, evil, but if we can do that till the cows come home and nobody gets saved. No one's going to get saved because you are magnifying what's going on in the world. The only way people are going to get saved is if you preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and they believe it. You can preach hellfire and brimstone all day long and no one will get saved. We need to preach Jesus. We need to preach the cross. Because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I don't care how wicked it's going to be. Jesus said tribulation will come. Persecution will come. Evil will come. But we need to preach Jesus. I just, I just spent a whole message on, um, on knowing Jesus and making Him known. We need to activate faith. Not fear. Not torment. Not judgment. But we need to magnify Jesus. See, in one sense, we can't magnify God. Because He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. In one sense, we can't make Him bigger. But we can magnify Him in our minds. And we can magnify Him in the minds of others that we are teaching and that we are talking to. God can be big. Or he can be small in your perception. God can be big or he can be small in other people's perception. Okay? Most of us have magnified the problem. Most of us, actually most of us, we are masters. We're teachers. We're seminary graduates. Of magnifying the problem. We've been doing it all of our lives. 
And we've been doing it all of our lives from generation to generation to generation to generation. And we have been minimizing God and His Word. Because you can't magnify both. Only one will be Lord. Only one will be King. Only one will be exalted. There can only be one king on the mountain. You ever played that game? King on the mountain? Someone, only one person is going to be king. And most of us, we are experts at magnifying what's wrong. Where it hurts. How someone's wronged us. How the government and the world has gone to see. And, and, that, and that's an understatement. But I'm here, folks, and we are here, folks, to preach Jesus and Him crucified. And then in everything, we will give thanks because that is the will of God for us in Christ Jesus. In other words, who is Lord? Is your problem Lord? Is your sickness or cancer Lord? Is your bank, your, your lack your bank account, Lord? Is your, the government, Lord? Is the person who wronged you, Lord? Is gossip, Lord? What's Lord? Is Jesus your Lord and Savior? Or are you going to keep magnifying what's wrong? Because what, whatever the problem is, it's not the same yesterday, today, forever. But Jesus Christ is. Who are you glorifying? Who are you magnifying? Who are you submitting to? I'm here to preach today, and we're talking about Thanksgiving activates faith, that we are to glorify God, and we are to magnify God. Not the problem. The only thing that magnifies the problem is the value that we place on it. And once it, you can, what you, what you value and the value you place on something or someone is what magnifies and glorifies it. Do you value your problems more than you value God? Or do you value God more than you value the problems. Because which one do you talk about the most? Which one do you uh, give all the attention and glory to? In your own mind, you might not think, thinking, I'm not glorifying this, I'm not magnifying this, but it's all you talk about. It's the only thing you talk about. You, you rarely give God any attention. Okay? In your mind, you're thinking you're not. But I'm not here to put the problem on the pedestal. I'm here to magnify Jesus. And put all things underneath my feet in Jesus' name. Okay? I'm here, folks, to teach you that we, as a church of the living God, we, as a church of the body of Christ, need to start believing God. We need to start abounding in thanksgiving. So we are established in the faith, as we've been taught, 
And we need to start acknowledging every good thing that's in us in Christ Jesus so that our faith can be effectual. The world is laughing at us, and in some ways, rightfully so, because we're not acting like the salt of the earth in the light of the world. Just a bunch of dead religion, pointing fingers, but never glorifying and magnifying God. We need to magnify Him. Let me ask the question another way. I said, who's Lord? But what do you value? Who do you value? What is big to you? Is your problem bigger than God? Is the problem you're facing in your country, in your family, in your finances, in your body, in your government, is it bigger than God? Then if it's not bigger than God, then why do you keep talking about that and not talking about Jesus? You're putting more value on it, on them, than you are Jesus. And I'm here to turn the tables this morning, and I'm speaking to myself as much as I'm speaking to you, that it's the time that we value God and His Word above everything else. It's time that we preach Jesus in these last days. It's time that God be bigger, that God be true, and that we man a liar. But how do we value God more? How do we make it bigger more? By magnifying Him. By glorifying Him. By thanking Him with thanksgiving, with joy and gratitude to the heart. We do it by, and we can't do it until we first start meditating on the Word of God. And just becoming our diet, the bread of life, our food. So many times Jesus would tell the disciples, the food that I eat, and I'm paraphrasing, it's not of this world, but it's to do the will of the Father. This is our daily bread. But most of us don't act like it. We might have devotional time. We might have an hour or 10 minutes or 15 minutes. But we spend the rest of our day complaining about everything else. And we magnify it more than we magnify God. We need to med In other words, we need to meditate on God and His Word and stop meditating on the problem. Most of us Throughout the day and even throughout the night, because we can't sleep, we're meditating and moaning over the problem. We should be meditating the word, on the Word of God. We should be not sleeping at night if we don't sleep at night because we, are, we just can't get out of this book. We just can't stop dancing and rejoicing. Who said there's a problem here? Okay? And one of the first steps of going down the road of, our, of being a reprobate 
is not glorifying God. That's a that's who said that's the first step in not glorifying God. We need to make God and His Word more real than the problem. Because I believe God is more real than the problem. Because the problem is temporal, but God is eternal. And we have an eternal redemption in Christ Jesus. We have an eternal inheritance in Christ. We need to get to the place where God's word is more true to us than the problem. We need to get to the place where God is greater. God is glorified, magnified more than the problem. Because Jesus said, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. How do we activate faith? How do we activate faith to believe? Thanksgiving. Abounding therein with thanksgiving. Acknowledging every good thing that's in us in Christ Jesus. Am I making sense? Let's go back to our main verse. Because they, that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God. That's the first step going down the wrong road. And that's the first step, if you reverse it, going, going down the right road. And begin to glorify God as God. The first step of you turning away from God and becoming a reprobate, because that's the context that's being spoken here. Is that you glorify? You don't glorify God as God. And one of the first steps of being staying in the fullness of God is glorifying God as God. Am I making sense? The second step. We're only on the first step. The second step is neither were they thankful. The second step of going down the wrong road, forsaking God. Is that we're not thankful. Turn that around. The second step that we are going to stay in the fullness of God, because this whole message this morning could be about staying in the fullness of God. How do you stay in the fullness of God? You glorify God as God. The second step is that you're thankful. And if you're not thankful, you're selfish, you're self centered. And an and a, and a unthankful person, a selfless, a selfish person, can't be satisfied with anything. You can't satisfy someone who's not thankful. I don't care what you do. You know, there's I've had several jobs through the years, and we would have different customers and clients. And there's just some people, they gripe and complain about everything, and no matter what you did, they would still be find something to be unthankful about. Okay? And sometimes you and I have been that way as customers and clients and some and some things. No matter what they did to you, you're going to be unthankful. And you're going to fight to be unthankful. You ever been in a bad mood and someone tried to come and encourage you and you said you were, you were not going to have it? You're fighting to be unthankful. You're fighting to be in a bad mood. 
or maybe the, the, the shoes on the other foot. Someone you're trying to encourage, they're just in a bad mood, you're trying to encourage them and snap them out of it, but they're just like, they're not going to have it. They want to be grumpy. That's selfishness. That's not humility. Humility is think, one of the signs of someone who's humble is that they are thankful. Okay, I wish I had time to develop that a little bit more. But let's talk about this. You know, we're talking about, uh, we talked about a little bit last week, we're talking about the attitude. <coughs> Excuse me. We're talking about the attitude of the heart. Even with both of these right now, are you following me? We're talking about a heart attitude. Okay? In, in 2 Timothy, follow me. This is, this is Paul and his very last letter that he wrote to Timothy and to us. And he's talking about the last days. And he says, but know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. Where men will be lovers of themselves, that's selfishness, lovers of money, excuse <coughs> me, that's greed, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, and unholy. Paul says that unthankfulness is one of the signs of the last days. Paul puts unthankfulness in the same category as, and depending on what translation you're reading, as covetousness, pride, blaspheming, and unholiness. Paul says those who are unthankful are just as guilty as anyone who's unholy. So why are you pointing fingers at the world for their evil when you're in the same category if you are unthankful? And I'm not saying that we don't have a point for the play in our community and society to call sin, sin, and, and to speak up for, for righteousness and holiness. I'm not talking about that. But on your loudest bullhorn, on your loudest Facebook posts, and if you were to collage them all together, are you more unthankful or are you magnifying God? I'm not saying there's not something to complain about at times. But is that all you do? Is that the majority of what you do? Is complain about what's going on? And you, to the world, and to your family, and to society, is someone that's unthankful. Versus, you know, you know the person, you, you know the people who, when they complain, I listen to the most. Those who are, I mean, they're just, they have an awesome attitude. When, when, whenever they're around, it's just positive. When they have something to complain about, I listen. Because to see them in that tone, it just it's worth it's worth listening to. 
Hopefully I'm making sense. See, there was a different tone when David came on the scene with Goliath. Here was Israel wallowing in fear for 40 days. And when David came on the scene, this little shepherd boy, just bringing cheese and crackers to his brothers and countrymen, like his father told him to, there was a different attitude being stirred in the camp. And it was just different. And, 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 and David dealt with it because he was thankful. Yes, he, he voiced the complaint, how dare this uncircumcised Philistine defy the armies of God? But that was all sandwiched with God's. We have a covenant relationship with God. And why don't we just, if you're not going to fight them, I'll fight them. I didn't come here to fight, but I'm, I will put out that voice. Every weapon formed against me will not prosper, and I will condemn it in Jesus' name. See, our society today is full of unthankful people. We, in many ways, we have more prosperity and opportunity today, especially in America, than many other places in the world. And yet we are some of the most unthankful people on the planet. Houston, we have a problem. See, glorifying God and magnifying is thanking God. You can't glorify and magnify God without thanking Him. And if you thank Him, it will lead to magnifying and glorifying God. In other words, to glorify God, you must be first thankful. It's going to be hard for you to magnify and glorify God if you're not even thankful. I don't even think I don't think that's even possible. Would you really take accolades from someone who's ungrateful? They're griping, complaining, griping, complaining, and out of the blue they say something they say a line or, or something thankful to you. Don't their don't their words kind of fall to the ground? There's some people that gave me accolades. I could care less because they have no value. Okay? I'm, hopefully I'm making sense of that. See, as you're thankful, you're also reminding yourself who he is, what he's done, and what he said in his word. When you have a thankful attitude, and when you that thanksgiving is just bubbling out of you, you will be even reminding yourself who God is, what he's done not only in your life, but in other people's lives, and what he said. And that, my friend, Magnifies him. When you are reminded and fresh in your memory who he is and what he's done and what he's promised, that glorifies and magnifies God. 
versus you're griping, complaining, but you totally forgot who he was. You totally forgot what he's done. You totally forgot what he said. It's not even on your mind. It hasn't even been on your mind. In the whole, the, during the whole season of complaining, you have totally been, you, you've totally forgotten everything, who he is and what he said. That does not glorify him. That does not magnify him. And you can't remember what, who he is and what he's done unless you have a thankful attitude. Okay? Again, and I shared this last week, but in Psalm 50, verse 27, 23, excuse me, whoever offers praise glorifies me. And to him who orders his conduct aright, I will show the salvation of God. And we know salvation in, in the Hebrew, because that's where we're reading from the Old Testament, Yeshua, it means wholeness, healing, prosperity, and deliverance. Do you need healing? Glorify and praise Him. Do you need deliverance? Glorify and praise Him. Do you need prosperity, provision? Glorify and praise Him. And He will show you the salvation of God. Being thankful involves humility and memory. As I just shared a minute ago. Humility is you didn't accomplish these things on your own. See, when I go down memory lane, and my wife and I have done this recently, about how God provided for us when he called us to Wisconsin, how God provided for us when he called us to Illinois, how God provided for us when he called us back to California, and there were several, several moves within California. We're praying about some direction, about something down the future. And we're being reminded how God has provided for us. And we're thankful for those times. Each of those times it was a different way, but the one thing that was consistent, God provided. And his word was true. And we also, when we go down memory lane, remembering how God provided this for this and how God provided for that, and as we're reminded of that, we realize we didn't get into any of those locations on our own. That's humility. Pride says, I got there. I did this. I, I, I pleased God. And one says it's not about pleasing God, and you point and look at what I did because I, I earned it. No, that's not grace. Grace doesn't earn anything. It's unmerited favor. Unmerited favor, grace doesn't mean you don't put any effort in. It just means you didn't earn it. But humility is, you didn't accomplish this because of you, but by him. And when we humbly remember the good things that God has done, and the good things he has done for us, it will always bring thankfulness. And when we are bound in thankfulness, we'll be established. And when our faith is activated, any, everything is possible to him who believes. Psalm 100, verse, verse 4, 5 says, Enter into the gates with thanksgiving, and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him, and bless his name, 
for the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. We read this last week, I believe. But if you're struggling, you're just down and out, and I've been there, like most of us have from one time or another, every temptation, and we've all been tempted, I'm not talking about sin, but anything that's not a faith is sin. Romans 14.23 says, anything that's not a faith is sin. But every temptation to gripe and complain, and I think we've all have been tempted to gripe and complain about something, but every temptation to gripe and complain about a problem, don't. Don't go there. Don't go down that road. Instead, Enter into his presence with thanksgiving. You don't enter into his presence with gripe and complaining. You don't enter into his gates with murmuring complaining. You enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts praise, being thankful to him and blessing his name. There's an attitude there. That's how we get to his presence. You know, it can even be a good exercise when we are tempted to gripe and complain about something. Even if it's something that's worth gripe and complaining about, because it's just wrong, it's evil, it can be good for us to just spend 10 minutes thanking him. Shut everything down for 10 minutes, take a 5, 10 minute break, and you just spend the whole time thanking him for his goodness, for who he is, and what he's done, and what he's promised. See, our natural desire is to complain. Okay? But when we have a lifestyle, a pattern to thanking him, Instead, that desire, that temptation to complain will fade. Okay? And the problem that we want to complain about will shrink. And you will see in a proper, you know, you'll have a proper perspective so that you can see God being magnified in that situation. Remember that making sense? If you have a problem and your instinct is to gripe and complain about that problem, spend 10 minutes just thanking Him, praising Him, get your focus on Him, crank up the worship music, whatever you want to do, make a joyful noise. All the trees in the fields clap their hands. Magnify him for 10 minutes, and that problem in your mind will shrink and fade, and God will become big and magnified in your mind, and you just activated your faith in that situation with that problem. And it's time to move some mountains. Let's go back to our verse, Romans 1.21. So they neither glorified him not, and neither were unthankful. But the third one is they became vain in their imaginations. 
their imagination became vain. If you stay in that attitude of griping and complaining, your imaginations will become vain. You will worry, what if this happens? What if that happens? What if this falters? What if I die? What if we lose our home? What if we, this happens? Those are vain imaginations. That's not from the Spirit of God. Okay? And this is the third step, going down the wrong road. If we are not glorifying God as God and we're not being faithful, our imagination will become vain. Let's flip that. If we do glorify God as God and we are thankful, our imaginations will be full of life and good things and faith things. And he's able to do above and beyond the things that we could think or imagine. And we get this working in a positive way. When we start seeing victory in our minds. Okay? You know, this word imagination in the Hebrew, if you study it out, it means conception. Your imaginations is where thoughts are conceived. What are you conceiving in your mind? Is it vain? Of God. Don't make it sense. This is someone who's on the third step of ignoring and rejecting the revelation of God. Or flipping the flipping the tide, staying in the fullness of God. Because if you <coughs> have a glorifying God attitude and a thankful attitude. It's going to be hard for your imagination to get vain. You just now set up yourself up to stay in a positive attitude where your imaginations are. You can just imagine what God can do in this situation. And it's awesome. It's awesome. Because some God thoughts that are bigger than you have now been conceived in your mind. See, ideas are conceived in our imagination, in our minds. And where do those, where do those thoughts come from? Can an enemy plant thoughts? Yes. Can God plant thoughts? Yes. Can our flesh plant thoughts? Yes. But when we are glorifying God as God and when we are thankful, we already have a filter. To filter our imaginations. And the imagination that God gave you. And those imagina that imagination is the soil of the garden of your mind. And you have the choice to let weeds grow in there or let good stuff grow in there. My wife and I, we've been doing a lot of weeding on this property. We've had a lot of weeds up in the range when we had this winter and, and whatnot. We've been doing a lot of weeding. We've been throwing that trash can, that big trash can, several times over full of weeds. Okay? And so, part of the problem is it's not good stuff in, 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 our, in, our, in our yard. And so, the weeds just grow. Okay? But there comes a time where we just got to pluck those weeds out. See, 
Um, sorry, catching up myself in my notes. So we need to get to the point where the word of God, where the word of God. How do I want to say this? The word of God becomes alive. Christianity is not a religion, but it's a relationship with the living God. And I don't know about you, but I am not here just to play church and share these messages with you to make me look good. That's not what we're about here. But I am here to make this word become alive in my life and your life. And we need to allow, there's a lot of things, I can go down Facebook, Facebook and different medias and allow all that to paint some, a picture in my mind. Or I can spend a lot of time in the Word of God, with God, praising God, glorifying God, thanking Him, and allow that to paint a picture in my mind. And I can either meditate on, and whatever picture I put in my mind, based on what I'm reading more, because of what I meditate on. What I begin to imagine and conceive in my thoughts. In other words, we can control our imaginations. As a matter of thinking, so is it. We can control our imaginations. How do we control our imaginations? What are you feeding it? What are you being, what's being conceived in that mind? We can imagine the truth. We can imagine the truth regarding healing. Are you sick? Do you have a disease, a cancer, a cough like mine that won't go away? Then we can allow the Word of God to begin to paint, to paint our imaginations the truth of being healed until we see the results. Am <coughs> I making sense? Do you need provision? Do you need provision for a need for what God's called you to do? And then we can imagine the truth of God's word to provide for us. And we can keep imagining it until we see the results. Do you need favor in a job, a situation, a relationship? Then we can imagine God's favor. God was had favor with Joseph and Daniel and others. Ruth. Until we see the results. Do you need deliverance over sin? An addiction? A problem? A hostile environment? Then we can believe God. And let that begin to paint our imagination and feed our imagination and conceive our imaginations. 
until we see results. Do you need wholeness in your life? Maybe spirit, soul, and body, you just need to be whole. You're fighting depression. You're fighting discouragement. You're fighting a lot of different things that you just can't necessarily touch it with a finger or some type of sound or whatever. It just goes deep. And you can get into the Word of God and let it heal your soul. Starting with your imagination. You see yourself whole. Most people allow their imaginations though to become vain. Where they became vain. They didn't just start there. They became vain in their imaginations. I want to become holy, prosperous, in my imaginations. They get a report from the doctor. And they and because they've not been glorifying God as God, they've not been thankful. What the doctor tells them, their imaginations become vain <clears throat> as they agree with the image that the doctor conceived in their mind. They believe the bank record, the creditor's reports. Because they're not like glorifying God as God and not been thankful. They allow that report to be, become vain in their imaginations as they find themselves losing, losing everything and not able to feed their families and just living from paycheck to paycheck or whatever it may be. They agree with others. And what others have told them and, and laughed at them and, and betrayed them and different things. Because they're not glorifying God as God and not being thankful. They allow what other people have done and said to them as a society, as a government, and the things that they've heard on the news, on their social media, and Facebook, to become vain in their imaginations. And they become bitter. They become bitter and not thankful. They began to <coughs> become so conceived in their imaginations about how we're in the last days that they forgot that we've been commissioned in these last days to preach the gospel and make disciples of all nations, to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. They forgot their purpose. They forgot who they are, that we are the redeemed of the Lord. And many times we tend to allow our imaginations to agree with the doctor. And I'm not picking on doctors. To agree with the news. To agree with society. Instead of imagining the truth of God's word. The seed of God's word. We can see it in their hearts. To see it in their faith. For example... In Numbers, God told him, Israel to go to the promised land. And when Moses sent the 12 spies and 10 came back with an evil report, their report was, we were like grasshoppers in our own eyes, with our own imaginations. 
saw themselves as excuse me as grasshoppers. The enemy didn't see them as grasshoppers, and God didn't say they were grasshoppers in their own imagination, in their own vain imaginations. They saw themselves as grasshoppers. When God said, I've given you this land, he told them there was giants in the land. He told them what it would look like. But he said, we can do this. And, they, and Joshua and Caleb, it says, had a different spirit. We can do this. Joshua and Caleb had a different imagination on the outcome. And because they rebelled from God's imagination, because they rebelled from glorifying God as God, and because they rebelled at being thankful, that entire generation never went to the promised land. But Joshua and Caleb, who had a good imagination, who did glorify God, who were thankful, Joshua and Caleb were the only two from that entire generation who went into the promised land. Are you with me? See, when we fail to be thankful and glorify God, our imaginations automatically become vain. I want to say that again. When we are not thankful and when we don't glorify God as God, our imaginations will automatically become vain. Those imaginations, they're still working. You can't get the thing to turn off. Okay? But they're working against you. And not for you. You're imagining the enemy winning. You're imagining that disease and sickness reigning in your body forever. You imagine you'll never make it. You'll never be able to do what God's called you to do. Whatever the case will be. See, our imaginations will either work for us or they'll work against us. But the, if faith, this is the third step that is subsequent to steps one and two. Going down the wrong road of forsaking God. And rebelling against the revelation of who God is in our lives. And our imaginations, they're still working if they're vain. But they're working against us. They're imagining us as a failure versus success. They're working, they're, 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 our vain imaginations are seeing death versus life. Seeing defeat. Versus victory. Seeing failure versus a miracle. We need to use our imaginations the way God designed us to use our imaginations. To agree. See, we need to use our imaginations to agree with the Word of God and the Spirit of God. Not to agree with man of flesh as those statements are in a disagreement with the God. I'm not against doctors. I applaud them. 
when the doctor tells you you have cancer, you're going to die. That doesn't line up with this word. I want all respect the doctors. And I can bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Okay. And I'm going to allow the word of God to dictate my imaginations. Not what the doctor said. Not what my bank reporter said. Not what society says. And I'm going to agree with the word of God and see ourselves as God sees us. So, let's go to our fourth one real quick as we close this out. And their foolish hearts was darkened. That's the final fourth step. See, those who had a revelation of God, and we've all received it. There's no one watching this video who has not had a revelation of God. Because Paul said in Romans verses 1 to 18 to 20, we've all had a revelation of God. But those who rejected it, there's four steps of them going down that road of rejecting the knowledge of God. And they are not glorifying God as God. They're not thankful. Their imagination become vain. And the final step is that their foolish hearts are darkened. Again, again, we can flip this. Four keys of how staying full God, you glorify God as God, and you're thankful. You allow His Word to fill your imaginations. And the last one is you have a good heart, not a darkened heart. Okay? So, um, to, again, the attitude of the heart is more important than the actions. I want to say that again. The attitudes of our hearts are more important than our actual actions and behaviors. Let me give you some scriptures to, to, to validate what I just said. In Matthew 23, 25-26 says, Well to you such scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you cleanse the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of extortion and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, First cleanse the inside of the cup and dish that the outside then may be clean also. Sorry, I was throwing that wrong. Not them. Not them. Anyway, yeah, anyway. Um, in other words, Jesus is saying, he's rebuking the Pharisees here in Matthew 23. The, the, the woes of Jesus to the Pharisees. But Jesus is more concerned about the inside than he is about the outside. He's not saying he doesn't care about the outside. But we have to cleanse the inside first. Let's look at that scripture. Matthew 12, 35. A good man out of the good treasures of his heart brings forth good things. And the evil man out of the evil treasures of his heart brings forth evil. Whether you do good things or evil things is all based on the heart. Okay? The heart is more important than the behavior. Because you can't change the behavior until you first change the heart. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work any other way. Let's look at another one. For with, from within out of the heart of man, 
Proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lewdness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile our man. These are all horrible things. And most of us would agree with that. I don't think I have to convince you of that. But it's from the heart. It's from within. That comes all these things. You can't correct any of these things until you first change the heart. Okay? And if your heart is darkened because you're not glorifying God as God, you're not thankful, you've allowed vain imaginations to come into your heart, your heart will be darkened. And out of it will come all these things. Okay? Another way of looking at Proverbs 23 7, says, For as he thinks, thinks in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink, he says to you, but his heart is not with you. But really, the first five verses are well in my book. For as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Our hearts are central to what we say, and our hearts are central to what we do. Proverbs 4.23 says, Keep your heart without diligence, for out of it springs issues of life. Am I making sense this morning? Guard your heart with all diligence. How do we guard our heart? Well, according to what Paul says, we guard our heart. See, our hearts being darkened is the fourth and final step of going the wrong way. You can't correct step four until you correct steps one, two, and three. And you can't correct steps three until you correct steps one and two. So how do you fix it? You start glorifying God as God and you start being thankful. That will change your imagination, what's conceived in the heart, and your heart will be darkened. It might make sense. How do you change the behavior? You change the heart. <coughs> How do you change the heart? You start with putting good seeds in there, glorifying God as God and being thankful. Okay? See, we are products, our actions and our words are products of our hearts. A lot of you on Facebook and other places, you are going after people's actions, but you're never changing the heart. And once is the word you're, you're in the right place, the actions are wrong, the actions are evil. And, then, and I'm not disagreeing with that. But you're here magnifying their evil conduct, and you're never magnifying God. And get into the heart of the issue. And you don't wonder why they don't change. When your unthankfulness is just as bad as their unholiness. And I'm not saying. We don't need to uh, correct. There's a time for correcting. But it's his goodness that leads us to repentance. Not your finger pointing. See, the fruit. Oh, sorry, excuse me. The fruit of the Spirit is also. The products of our hearts. And what's the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, goodness, kindness, uh, self-control. I don't have them all in mind. 
But if we have the spirit in our hearts, walk in the spirit, and he won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Galatians 5.16. So what am I getting to? See, I'm, we're talking about Thanksgiving activates faith. And we've been using this as our main text this morning. And not just talking about thankfulness, but also glorifying God, which affects our imaginations and our hearts. Because whether you're thankful or not, whether you're glorifying magnifying God or not, affects whether what's going on in your imagination and what's going on in your imagination will affect your heart. Okay, so what do you believe? Do you believe God and His Word and His grace and His mercy more than you believe in your sin problem? Because how do you get over your addictions? How do you get over your sin problem? Because temperance, self-control, is not a fruit of the flesh. It's a fruit of the Spirit. You cannot control your flesh by just willpower. If you can control your flesh and stop sinning without Jesus, you're telling me that you are greater than Jesus. It doesn't work that way. God will change you. You can't change yourself. Self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. And if you will start glorifying God and God being thankful He'll change your imaginations and he'll change your desires, your appetites, and your heart won't be darkened. It will be enlightened to do the will of God. And the reason our hearts respond, see, the reason why our hearts become so darkened, the reason is because. Most of us, we're, you see, we're in such a negative world. We live in such a negative world. The world is negative about everything. And a lot of negativity is surrounded in the church. But some churches are negative about everything. That is not the spirit of God. That's not love, joy, peace, goodness, kindness, gentleness, thankfulness. Okay? And, but many of us, our hearts respond to the negativity that's in this world. And it's in the church. We allow the negativity that's in the world and also many of our churches to be dominated allowed <coughs> to be the dominated thought and we allow the external things to become dominated and the physical things to become so dominated instead of the word of God there's so much negative going on is there a lot of evil? Yes. <coughs> but how do we change that? We start glorifying God. We start being thankful. <coughs> Excuse me. For some of us, we, are, we will exalt and magnify and glorify the negativeness and we won't give God a hoot. 
There's some people on Facebook that are telling me everything that's wrong, every post is all that's wrong. Instead of someone saying, I never hear them magnify God at all. They're never glorifying God. They're never thankful. Every post, they're, they're painting vain imaginations. And their own hearts are darkened. And I'm not saying this to pick on anybody. But church, that's not what we've been commissioned to do. We have been commissioned to make disciples of all nations. That's not discipleship. Okay? And when we magnify the problems and the negativity in our world, and we glorify and magnify that over the Word of God, our hearts will become darkened. Because that's all we're teaching. All we're teaching is negative. And we're never teaching the goodness of God. We become insensitive to God and His Word. And our hearts become darkened. We become insensitive to His Word. And we become insensitive and see, this Word is uh, this whole concept of a darkened heart. If you study it, it means to be insensitive, cold, unfeeling, unyielding. Um, and to be dominated by natural, uh, uh, our natural senses. So how do we, how do we, how do we fix a heart that's broke, darkened? How do we fix that? The heart is broken, darkened. Some people think the way we fix this is behavior modification. Changing people's behavior. Change their actions without changing their hearts. It's the heart that got darkened. Yes, the actions are the byproduct of that. But until we change the heart, we're not going to change the behavior. And it will never work. How do we change a heart that's darkened? We have to change the heart first. How do we change the heart? What are we feeding that heart? What are the imaginations that we're feeding the heart? They step back to what we're glorifying, magnifying, and being thankful. If you're, if you, I mean, if you're listening to this message and you realize, you're like, you know what? I become bitter. At different times in my life, I realize I become bitter too. Okay. I'm not preaching this like I'm some some perfect saint. I haven't have a messed up. I have to. But how do I fix that? How do I fix my heart that has become vain and darkened? I go back to glorify. And magnify Him. And be thankful. I get back into the Word of God. And let this be the dominant thing influence in my life. When I need to shut off Facebook. When I need to shut off. I mean, there's some friends and people we might need to cut off. There might be some pastors we need to cut off. Okay? But we got to 
Change the heart. What are we feeding the heart? The Word of God must become our dominant influence. The Spirit of God must be our dominant influence. And whoever offers praise glorifies me. I will show my salvation. Deliverance if we need to in our hearts, in our actions, our behaviors. Wholeness. If we need wholeness in our lives, in our actions, behaviors. It starts with praising and glorifying Him. It's, okay? How do we get establishment? The same way you receive Christ. Before you received Christ, you were a wreck. You were a mess. As He therefore received Christ, the same way we received Christ. Did you get your whole life together and then, received, then you were now qualified to receive Christ? No. It didn't work that way. You received Christ when you were a mess. And when you were a mess, you heard the gospel, believed the gospel, and you were saved. And the same way you see him, you walk in him. How, what does that look like? There's a colon. You get rooted and built up in him. And established the faith. How do we get established the faith? Because as you've been taught, therein abounding with therein with thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is a key, major key to abounding and getting walking with him. Thanksgiving. I hope I said that right. We do it by rejoicing in the Lord. Changing your attitude. You complain, complain so long that you, you've almost become cotton broke because you're so thirsty to rejoice. You've been eating that bitter food for so long when you eat the good stuff. I mean, it's just going to be good. In, in case you didn't hear me, again, I say rejoice that your gentleness be known to all. Some of you have, not, some of you have never been gentle. You're, you're, you're rebuking people without gentleness. And I'm trying to be very gentle this morning how I say some of this correction. But let your gentleness be known to all. The Lord is at hand. He's here. Be anxious for nothing, but everything in prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Because the communication of your faith will become effectual as your knowledge of every good thing is in you. You want this to become effectual? Change what you're acknowledging. Stop acknowledging all the problems. And start acknowledging God and all the good things you have in your life. Let the people praise you. Let all the people praise you. Then the earth shall yield its increase. God, our own God, shall bless us. And I'll spend more time with that next week. I hope I make sense this morning. As we're talking about Thanksgiving activates faith. There's four either warnings or steps or keys to staying before God and going down the wrong road. And they all start with when we are glorifying God as God and being thankful. And that, if we're not glorifying God as God and we're not being thankful, that is a clear sign that we are either on step three or four. Our imaginations are vain and our hearts become darkened. I can tell you see right away, I'm talking to someone for a few minutes.
whether they are glorifying God as God? Would that be a thing? Because what did they talk about? What did they talk about the most? God and His goodness and thankfulness? Are they telling me everything that's wrong under the sun? And I'm not saying there are not some things that we need to address. But the most dominant thing that's going to come out of these lips, by God's grace, is going to be God and the things of God and thankfulness. Yeah, there might be times I have to address some things. But outside of dressing that thing, the most dominant thing that needs to be coming into this thinking and into this heart needs to become praise and thanksgiving. So I can act by faith because the just should live by his faith. And you can't live by his faith unless you're feeding that faith with something to live off of. Bounding the faith. We're not establishing faith if we're not bounding the thanksgiving. It just, it's not there. We're not established. Some of us are more established what's going wrong than we are in God, and that's wrong. Amen, amen. God bless you. Have a good week.